Can you guys believe it? If you've been at Destiny for any time, we've been in the book of Philippians for 15 weeks. 15 weeks. I have loved this study. I, have, I am truly enjoying um, teaching verse by verse and walking us through this as a church family. It has been a highlight. This has literally been a highlight of my ministry, and I've been doing this for a long time, but I love it. And uh, we have just a few weeks left that we're going to be walking through Philippians, and we have a special series for you this summer. Our summer series is called, What If Jesus Was Serious? What If Jesus Was Serious? And we're going to look at some things that we think Jesus was serious about this summer, and we're going to walk through that, and then uh, picking back up this fall, we'll pick back up in a book of the Bible, and we're praying through a couple of them, and we'll let you know what those are as we get closer, but uh, we're just believing it's going to be great. Last Sunday, my wife Tasha, she did an incredible job preaching from Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 16. In second service first, we never got there, so if you didn't get to hear the message, you can uh, podcast it, but God walked in the room last Sunday during our first service. We never, we just never made it to the message. And listen to me, just, I, I always remember when I was a kid, we would say things like, man, it's a great service. Nobody preached. That doesn't mean that it was a great service. All right. <laughs> but last Sunday, God walked in the room and we didn't, we didn't make it there. And God did his business, his work. And it was great. And uh, Tasha is in Oklahoma today. Uh, Mariah, our daughter, is in town. And her husband is running an Ironman in Tulsa. And so Tasha went to see her. And so he texted us about 5 o'clock this morning. And he was just getting in a lake to swim. And it was like 50 degrees. He said, are you supposed to swim when you can see your breath? And I'm like, no, you should not be doing that. You should not be. You should be under the covers right now. But anyway... So uh, pray for her, but pray for Cody as he's doing that. And then uh, Tasha and I, this Thursday, we celebrate 21 years of marriage. And um, I told Pastor Ed, and he said, you're going to get in trouble, but I'm going to say it. Tasha, you've been blessed 21 years with you my, to be my spouse. But anyway... All right. Hey, if I had to boil today's verses, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, verse um, 17 through 21. If I had to boil these verses down into one sentence, I would tell you this. Christians must live as citizens of heaven, not as citizens of this earth. If I had to boil these five verses down, that's what I'd tell you. If I had to boil Christianity down, that might actually be what I'd tell you. We should live as citizens of heaven, not as citizens of this earth. Reminds me of Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. We looked at that way back at the beginning of this series when Paul said just one thing. As citizens of heaven, and if you, and how, you say, Pastor Chad, what is a citizen of heaven? Well, you are a citizen of heaven if you are a child of God. If you've asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, you are considered a citizen of heaven. And Paul tells us, hey, as a citizen of heaven, live your lives in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Live as citizens of heaven more than we live as citizens of this earth. Think like Jesus, act like Jesus, live like Jesus, walk like Jesus. That's what we should be doing. And the fact is, as Christians, the most basic fact, I would say, is as Christians, let me, let me, let me say it. As Christians, we are to live like Jesus. That is the most basic and simple fact of Christianity. As Christians, we should live and act like Jesus. But the truth is, the lines tend to be blurred 
in our Christian faith because we've subscribed to man-centered theologies. Or we've uh, subscribed to man-centered quasi-salvation. What do you mean by quasi-salvation? Well, it looks like it, but it's not really salvation. We've subscribed to man-centered sanctification and called it sanctification. And I just want to tell you, before we really dive into today's service, let me just tell you the call of Jesus to follow me or the call of Paul to live in a manner that is worthy of the gospel and that has not been replaced or improved upon. The call to follow Jesus has not been replaced or improved upon. It has been, it is, and it always will be the most basic obligation of every believer. Follow Jesus. Live like Jesus, live like a citizen of heaven. John tells us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, whoever says he lives in Christ, that is, whoever has accepted him as God and Savior, I love this, I love how the Amplified says it, ought to, as a moral obligation, ought to walk and conduct themselves just as he, who's he? Capital H, right? We ought to live our daily lives just as Jesus lived his daily life. As citizens of heaven, walk like Jesus. Not just on Sundays, but every single day of your life. And this is what Paul has been challenging us with and teaching us throughout this letter. When Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, one thing, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what's ahead, Paul is really, in my opinion, reducing the Christian life down to one objective. Live as citizens of heaven, not as citizens of this world. Forget what's behind, look ahead. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's what I'm driving home today. Let's pray. Father, we ask just in these next few moments that your, your presence that's already in this room, I pray right now that you would just begin to open our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear what you have to say to us. We ask that you would direct every word I say, direct every thought, remove any distractions from any of us. We close any doors that we need to close off so we can hear you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 through 21. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. This is also um, on the screen. This is also in your notes. You can go to destinychurch.me backslash media. You can find our notes there every single week. But this is what Paul says here. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And before we read the rest of this, before we say anything else, this is what discipleship is. Discipleship is imitating other believers, getting in the word, following their example, following the example of Jesus. Why do we want to imitate other believers that are chasing after Jesus? So we can grow, so we can mature in our faith, and so we can live and act and love more like Jesus. 
We want to get people in our life, and we're going to talk about this in just a moment. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 11.1, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. Continues verse 18. For many of whom I have told you and now tell you even with tears. I want you to see this is the only place that we can find in Scripture where we see Paul talking about really shedding tears in this, in this manner, in this way. He tells us even with tears, many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, their glory is their shame, and their minds are set on earthly things. Does it sound like anyone you might know? But our, who's our? Who's our? Who is that? Who's he talking about? Who's he talking about right here? But our, that's us. This is going to work better if you all work with me, all right? And if you don't know, we need to, we need to just start teaching a little bit better, all right? Our Christians, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So let's start breaking this down. Paul says, join, verse 17, join in imitating me. Another translation says, join in following my example. Literally, in the Greek text, this means be fellow imitators with me. Meaning, as I imitate Jesus, you imitate Jesus. That's what he's saying here. He's not saying, hey, imitate me as I play baseball. Hey, imitate me as I do math equations. No, he's saying, as I imitate Jesus, you imitate Jesus. Paul is saying, as I live for him, you live for him. Again, this is a major part of discipleship. This is a major part of discipleship. Now, I want to be clear here. Paul is not putting himself on a spiritual pedestal and saying, look at me, I'm perfect. That is not what he's saying. And listen to me, in your own discipleship relationships, you should never sit under somebody that says, follow me because I'm perfect. Because there isn't one besides, right? So if a man tells you they are perfect, follow them. Run, forest, run. Run fast. No, here's what Paul is saying. Hey, I am an imperfect sinner. He even says that in 1 Timothy 1.15. I am the worst of all sinners. Another translation says, I am public sinner number one. But listen, he said, but you can still follow me. This is, this is the Ch- Chad Blancet paraphrased translation version of what Paul is trying to say to us. You can still follow me because just like you, I am a sinner and I have problems and I make mistakes, but in spite of all that, I press on toward the goal. Remember verse 14 from last week and remember this word goal. But Paul says, in spite of all my mistakes, the reason you can follow me is because I'm pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Jesus Christ. Why can you chase after me? Because I'm chasing after Jesus. That's what he's saying. He's saying, even though I'm imperfect, You can follow me because I'm wanting to become more like Jesus. But he doesn't stop there. And this is what I love about this verse, verse 17. He says, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. 
Now this word, this, this here, there's this word here, it's called skopeo. It is a Greek verb. And it comes from the verse 14. That's even why I read that in just a moment. That word goal. It's the word skopeo. And it means fix your gaze on. And Paul here is saying, don't only emulate and follow me, but fix your gaze on, fix your walk on. And this word walk in verse 17 and 18 reveals two different ways of life. One that's right, one that's wrong. And he's Paul saying, follow these people. Fix your gaze upon these people that live like this. Fix your eyes upon, yes, Jesus, but also find some people in your life that look like me, that act like me, that act like us, and follow their example. Paul's saying, focus on people whose walk, and this word walk means daily conduct. It doesn't mean, well, how do they walk? Okay, I've got to walk like Pat. No, it means people whose daily conduct, people whose daily lifestyle looks like Jesus, focus on them and follow them. Get in their footsteps and act like they act. Pray like they pray. Study like they study. Be generous like they are generous. Find people whose walk, whose conduct looks like Jesus and follow them. But when he says us, he's referring to himself. He's referring to Timothy. He's referring to Epaphrodites. He's referring to other Philippian believers. He's saying, hey, find some godly people and imitate them. That's what Paul is even teaching us here today. In this, the year here of Destiny Church, the year of the table, where we are really talking about discipleship and our ultimate goal is to see you discipled and become more and more like Jesus Paul is telling us through this teaching, and what I want you to understand today is all of us, all of us, everybody say all, all all of us need some godly men and some godly women in our life who we can follow. All of us need some people we can imitate as they follow Jesus. You need it. I need it. All of us need examples of what godly living looks like. And we need to say, hey, can I, can you mentor me? Can you disciple me? Will you pour into me? Will you teach me? Will you train me? I want to have the same type of marriage that you have. I want to parent like you parent. Listen to me. If you see people that are parenting and you love how their kids have turned out, what do you need to do? You need to sit down with that person and say, hey, can you invest in me? Hey, can you teach me some tricks of your trade? Because my kids are hoodlums. You know, hey, I love your marriage. I love that. And our marriage, we struggle. Can you pour into us? We need godly examples. That's what Paul is teaching us here. Listen to me, if we, I believe this more than ever before, if we are gonna live in a manner that is worthy of the gospel, we need biblical community. You cannot make it on an island by yourself if the only connection to the body of Christ that you have is on Sunday mornings. Let me tell you, you are going to falter and you are going to fall away. Why? Because we need each other so we can walk like Jesus. If you don't believe me, that's fine, but you're wrong, all right? And today I want to challenge you. And this is also in your talk it over questions that are on the back of your sheets there. These will be in your talk it over groups this week. But I want to ask you a question. Who are you allowing to pour into your life? 
Who are you allowing to pour into your life? Who are you observing? Who are you imitating? Who are you looking to? Let me ask it this way. Who are you allowing to make a spiritual impact in your life, your marriage, your family, your kids? Who are you allowing to invest in you? And I'm telling you today, this is a big deal. You need godly people in your life who you can pattern yourself after, who you can follow as examples. We getting this? You need it. The problem is, though, many of us, we have people we're following. We're probably just following the wrong people. Many of us have people in our lives that we are imitating and we are acting like, come on. And they are not people we need to imitate. Let's just, let's just sit here for a minute. Many of you have people in your life, come on, that you are following and that you are, you are allowing them to invest in your family and you are allowing them to pour into your kids. And they are not people that you should be imitating or setting as a pattern or example for your kids. This is what Paul begins to teach us here in verse 18, 18 and 19. Listen to what he says. For many, everybody say many. many. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears. What's he saying here? I'm telling you, I have empathy here. I have pain inside of me as I'm telling you. They are enemies of the cross. And their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame. And their minds are set on earthly things. Paul is warning us. And I want you to hear me. These next few moments of this message, I believe, are the most important thing I'm telling you today. Paul is warning us. Hey, as you pursue the spiritual prize of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord, that Paul talks about in Philippians 3, 10, and 11. As you pursue the spiritual prize of knowing Christ Jesus, as you seek to become more and more like Jesus in your daily life, be aware. Hear me. Be aware. Everybody say, be aware. Be alert. Keep your eyes open. Keep your, keep your mind fixed on this. Mom and dad, can I just tell you, can, we just, can I just speak to you guys for just a moment? Be aware of who you are allowing your children to follow. You know, and, and when Paul was talking about this, it was a completely different mindset than what we have today. But man, today we can talk about it on Instagram and TikTok and, and Snapchat and all these things. Who are your kids following? Who's investing in them? Well, I think everything's good. Who's investing in them when nobody's looking, mom and dad? I just feel this. Be aware. There are enemies of the cross. There are false teachers that are teaching false doctrine. And this isn't just in the church. It can be outside the church. And Paul is telling us, be aware. Just as there are some people that you want to follow, there are many more you do not want to follow. And Paul says there are many enemies of the cross. He doesn't say there are just a few. He says there are many enemies of the cross. There are many people who want to lead you and your families astray. 
And there are, there are several ideas as to who Paul is referring to here. But I tend to believe he's, he's speaking about two primary groups of people, two enemies of the cross. He's referring, number one, to professing Christians whose lifestyle betrays the cross of Jesus Christ. I believe that Paul is teaching about Christians who confess that they are Christians, but their lifestyle betrays it. Pastor Chad, we aren't supposed to judge. Listen to me. I can judge a tree by its fruit. And if that tree does not produce fruit that looks like Jesus, that person is not of Jesus. Because listen to me, if you are connected to the vine, Pastor Ed read it in our early morning huddle this morning with all of our volunteers. If you are connected to Jesus, listen to me, you're going to look like Jesus. My boys, I have two of them on the front row. I see my boys do things. I'm like, sweet Lord, that looks like something I do. Why? Because they're connected to the vine. Paul's telling us there are several enemies of the cross. I think it's professing Christians whose lifestyle betrays that they're Christians. Paul addresses them sometimes as Judaizers. But there are also people that are not Jews that were Gentile believers who are also teaching falsely as well. But I also believe Paul is referring to false teachers outside the church. And I did a lot of research and they believe two, the two primary voices that they believe that Paul is speaking to are Judaizers. And a second one is this word called Gnostics. G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S. This is some homework for you. Go and see what a Judaizer is and look up what a Gnostic is. A Judaizer, the best way I can describe them is they are somebody who adds to the gospel why, what do I mean by that? They say, well, this, yes, you've got to be saved through Jesus, but you've also got to do this. Well, it's not in the gospel. They add to it. Gnostics, what are they doing? They're taking away from the gospel. What they're doing is they're saying, you don't have to do that. You're a sinful being. You can, you can, place, you can satiate your flesh. You can, you can pursue that. And, that's who's, and Paul's saying there's people that are adding to it and taking away. Go, go look at it. And just as there were people like this around in Paul's day, unfortunately, there are people just like this in our day. And throughout the New Testament, we are warned of false prophets and false teachers. Matthew 7, 15, Jesus says, beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Second Peter chapter two, Peter warns us, but there are also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Paul himself warns throughout his letters of false teachers. Why do I share this? Mom and dad, I, I, this, why am I sitting on this part so long? Because I believe it's very important that we understand that not everybody who professes to call Jesus Lord follows Jesus. Listen to me. Just because a political person gets done with their statement and says, thank God or in God we trust, that does not mean they're a follower of Jesus. Just because they wear a cross around their neck or have John 3.16 in, you know, in their bio... Listen to me, we have people that we are subscribing to and following and there are people that are in pulpits today and have podcasts today and all of that that all of us buy into and follow. And listen to me, I'm never gonna stand here and call a name out, that's not what I do, but I'm just telling you, you need to be aware of who you are allowing to pour into you and into your family. We need to be aware of this. 
Be aware, watch out, don't be deceived by false teachers. And to help you, not be deceived. This is why I encourage you as as a church. This is why we got to get in the word for ourselves. If you're not in the word daily, you're going to be deceived. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How could a young man keep his ways pure? By hiding God's word in their heart. If you don't want to be deceived, get in the word. Listen to me. I could stand up here today and preach heresy. I could preach false stuff today. And if you weren't in your word, you wouldn't know it. Now, I want to tell you, I, 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 I try to never do that. Like, have I probably said something wrong over the years? And I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Yes. Have I corrected things I've taught? Yes. But I'm going to do my dead level best to always lead you in the way of God's word. But I can promise you the way that you're going to be assured of that is if you get in the word yourself. Get in the word yourself. Get in a table group that is talking biblical things. Get in biblical community. Lead a biblical community. Be discipled. Ezra 7.10 says, Ezra was determined to study, obey, and teach the law. Discipleship. Get people in your life you can follow. Don't be on an island. Sign up. We have something called Right Now Media as a church. We've made this available to you as for, for free. It has so much discipleship content. I think there's a, a QR code in every bathroom stall for Right Now Media. Sign up for it. It's available for your family, cartoons for your family. It's great stuff. These are just a few examples I'm giving you, but I'm telling you more than any point in my life and in my ministry, I believe the devil wants to destroy you and your faith. Who is the ultimate enemy of the cross? His name is Satan. He wants to kill you and destroy you. He has his sights on you. He's coming for you. This is not fear-mongering. This is not trying to scare you. This is truth. The devil hates you. He's after you. He wants to destroy the blood covenant between you and God. He's after you. Be aware. Watch out. Watch out for people who add to the gospel. Watch out for people who take away from the gospel. You Listen to me. You guys see them in the news media, and you see people changing gospel. You see them saying, this was no longer sin. Stop following them. Enemies of the cross. And when Paul says enemies of the cross, he's not talking about the wooden cross. He's talking about the way of the cross. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about Jesus. He's saying, be aware of people who try to pull you away from Jesus. Ultimately, what Paul is saying is be aware of enemies of Jesus. Be aware of them. And then Paul gives us in verse 19, four marks. And we see these four marks. Number one, their end is destruction. Four marks of enemies of the cross. Number one, their end is destruction. Listen to me, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a citizen of heaven, your future is heaven. That is your future. You have an incredible eternity with Jesus forever and ever and forever and forever. And it never ends. But if you are an enemy of the cross, and listen to me, enemies of the cross can be inside the church or outside the church. But if you are an enemy of the cross, and if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, if you are pulling people away from Jesus, your end is destruction. Let me just, let's just talk real plain and real blunt for just a moment. Enemies of the cross do not go to heaven. Well, I'm a good person, but you're an enemy of the cross. 
Enemies of the cross do not just return to dust and that's the end. Enemies of the cross do not reincarnate. Enemies of the cross go to hell. And listen to me, I, I found out a while back that somebody was teaching some of our students, and I want to address this. Somebody was teaching some of our students, this was years ago, but I just found out about it recently. Somebody was teaching our students that, hey, if you go to hell, there's a seven-year period, and that you can, at the end of that seven years, determine if you want to stay in hell or go to heaven. What? I'm out, you know? That is... That is not truth. That is not scriptural. Hell, just as heaven is for eternity, so is hell. And if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, your future is hell. Listen to what Matthew 25 says. Then these unbelieving people will go away into eternal, unending punishment. But those who are righteous and in right standing with God, that's us as citizens of heaven, will go by his remarkable grace into eternal unending life. Enemies of the cross, citizens of heaven. Citizens of heaven, our future is heaven. Enemies of the cross, your future is hell. There's no middle ground. Second thing Paul tells us is these enemies of the cross, their God is their belly. Belly is translated as koilea, and it means the abdomen. Well, Paul is not referring to their God as their belly, you know? Like some of us, like, yep, mine is this, you know, it's all right. He's using belly metaphorically here. And it's unrestrained, carnal, fleshly, sinful desires. This is the way of the world. These false teachers, they are condemned, not because they worship Jesus, but they are condemned because they worship their carnal desires, they're all about themselves. Jude 4 describes people this way. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, just as if they were sneaking in by a side door. They are ungodly persons whose condemnation was predicted long ago, for they distort the grace of God into a decadence and immoral freedom. This is talking about Gnostics right here. Viewing it as an opportunity to do whatever they want. And they deny and disown our own master and Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, watch out for these people. They are out to satisfy their needs and their desires. And that's all they're about. They are not about Jesus. Their God is their belly. The third one, their glory is their shame. Their priorities are misplaced. They find glory in things they should be ashamed about. Does that sound like the world today? Listen to me. I'm not, I, I'm not getting on a soapbox or a or bandwagon or anything like this, but we're seeing this everywhere today. Here Paul is saying these false teachers, they call evil good and good evil. And they promote sinful actions as being right. And listen to me, I want you to hear me. What we see in our world today in these enemies of the cross, more than simply excusing sin, they celebrate sin. And they take pride in their sin. And if you've watched the news or social media, or if you've just tried, if you've just tried to sit down and watch television as a family lately, you have to agree that the world is celebrating sin. Their glory is their shame. People have become proud of their sin. Their sin has become what their whole life and agenda has become about. 
The truth is sin, I want you to say, hear me, sin is what should cause every one of us to experience shame or guilt. God doesn't give you shame. Adam and Eve were naked and ashamed because they sinned. Sin should cause you to feel guilt. Sin should cause you to feel shame and exposed before God. Sin should not make you feel glory and pride. But sadly, enemies of the cross, they brag about shameful things. The fourth mark of enemies of the cross is their mind is set on earthly things. This phrase, their mind is set, means they have a settled disposition towards something. They have their focus on. You remember earlier Paul is telling us fix our gaze upon? Well, people who have their mindset, their gaze is set upon earthly things. They have set their agenda according to their sin. That's what Paul is saying here. People whose mind is set on earthly things have set their agenda towards sinful things. This describes their focus of life. The agenda of enemies of the cross is not to please and worship God, but enemies of the cross, listen to me, what they've done is they've promoted themselves to a little g God. They've made themselves God of their lives and they desire to please and worship. They desire to please themselves and worship at the altar of self. We getting this? These enemies of the cross, their mind is set on here and now. Philippians 3.19, this phrase, with their minds set on earthly things, what it means is, hear me, we desire in a greater way anything or something more than our relationship with God. Let me say this again. If your mind is set on earthly things, what Paul is teaching us here is you desire something more than you desire God. Your mind is set on earthly things. But remember, as citizens of heaven, we should live with a heavenly mindset because earth is not our home. Heaven is. We are aliens here. We don't belong here. We belong there. We are citizens of heaven. And this is where some of us find ourselves today. Many of us in this room, our God is our belly. Our glory is our shame. Our mind is set on earthly things. And I can guarantee you, if I polled the close to 300 people that are in this building today right now, if I polled you, there would probably not be one person who would say, yeah, Pastor Chad, I'm an enemy of the cross. But listen to me, if your God is your belly, if your glory is your shame, and if your mind is set on earthly things, and that is more important than your relationship with God, please hear me today. The Bible says you are an enemy of the cross and your future is destruction. And again, this is not fear-mongering. This is not one of those kind of things. I'm just preaching the truth to you and telling you, repent, fix your eyes on Jesus, and change direction. 1 John 2, 15 and 17, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out the love of the Father. Don't do it. Paul is telling us in Philippians 3 the same thing that 1 John is telling us. As a son or a daughter of God, as an alien, and that's what we are, we are not to love the world in its ways. We are not to get caught up in the world in its ways. We are to set our minds on things of heaven, not on things of this earth. Why? Because we are citizens 
of heaven. Citizens of heaven. This leads me to verse 20 and 21 and the worship team can return. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await. That word await means with tiptoed anticipation. Like that means expectantly awaiting a savior to return for us. But I want you to hear me today. Notice, this is important that you catch this because I believe this has been one of the greatest tricks of the enemy. Notice Paul does not say that our citizenship will one day be in heaven. Come on, hear me. You've seen people walk on a stage before so you can focus right here. Notice Paul does not say your citizenship will one day be in heaven. He says you are. What's he doing? Paul is trying to get us to focus on the now so we can live like that now. Do you hear me? Are you getting this? Paul is saying you are citizens of heaven now, so live like that now. In your marriage now, live like a citizen of heaven. In your parenting now, live like a citizen of heaven. In your school now, live like a citizen of heaven. In your neighborhood now, live like a citizen of heaven. In your place of work now, live like a citizen of heaven. Quit living like a citizen of this earth and looking like everybody else and acting like everyone else, but live now wherever you are as a citizen of heaven. Live that way now. You are a citizen of heaven. You are a king now. You are a priest now. You are a royal priesthood now. You are a chosen generation now. That is who you are right now, this very moment. As a son or a daughter of God, you are a citizen of heaven right this very minute. Do it now. And these Philippians, they would have understood all this because they had dual citizenship. We looked at this way back at the beginning of this series. These Philippians, they had dual citizenship. They were citizens of Philippi, but they, were also, they also had the benefits of being a citizen of Rome. Even though Philippi wasn't a, in, 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 it wasn't in Italy. But they were dual citizenship. They were dual citizens. Listen to me. They live like citizens of Philippi, but they live like citizens of Rome. They dress like citizens of Rome. They act like citizens of Rome. They pay taxes to Caesar. Listen to me. As a citizen of Rome, they had rights, privileges, and responsibilities. And as citizens of heaven, listen to me, you have rights and you have privileges, but you also have responsibilities. Live like a citizen of heaven now, in everything we do, we should seek to honor God and advance his kingdom agenda on this earth. Remember what Jesus prayed in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in, on earth as it is in, on earth as it is in, on earth as it is in what? We should live on earth as in, we should live on earth as in. Are we getting this? It's time to change. It's time to live like Jesus on earth. And today as we close, I know it's not easy always following Jesus. I know that. 
especially in the world we live in. It's not always easy to live in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. It's not always easy to be a citizen of heaven. But Paul tells us, if you will live as a citizen of heaven on this earth, you will one day not only be a citizen of heaven on this earth, but you'll be a citizen of heaven in heaven. And you will one day look him in the eyes. This is called the rapture. That's what verse 21 is speaking about. And listen to me, I'm not digging into this verse today because I'm preaching on this in just a few weeks here at Destiny. I'm preaching on this very thing here when we talk about what if Jesus was serious because we're going to talk about what if Jesus was serious about eternity. But listen to me, here's what it says. But we are different because our citizenship is in heaven. And from there, we eagerly await the coming of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by himself, by exerting that power which enables him to subject everything to himself, will not only transform but completely refashion our earthly bodies so that we will be like his glorious resurrected body. As citizens of heaven, we're going to one day, whoop, be no more. And we're going to stand in the presence of the King of Kings. And we're going to look at our Savior and we're going to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I close with this from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis said, if you aim to be successful only on earth, you may never get to heaven, even as the things of earth fade away. But if you aim for the things of heaven, not only will the Lord graciously bring you there, he will make your life on earth something wonderful. So if you aim only for earth, you get nothing. But if you aim for heaven, you get everything. Life to the full. And that's what I'm offering every single one of us today. Let's live not as citizens of this earth, but let's live as citizens of heaven. And when we do, even on this earth, we get heaven. That's scriptural. Did you hear me? When you live as a citizen of heaven on this earth, you can experience heaven on earth. I believe that. Am I saying you're gonna have no pain, no suffering? No, Jesus even said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, why? Because Jesus has overcome the world. So let's live as citizens of heaven.